Hello and welcome to my favorite episode of the year. To Houston, we have a podcast where me and Paulo talk about our top 10 movies of the year uh, and ultimately disagree about most of it. Uh, we got a little bit of a change up this year. Um, usually what we do for this episode is I make my top 10 list. Paulo, you make your top 10 list. We put the common movies at the front and then the, the rest of the list is filled out by whatever was the, you know, the top on our remaining lists. Um, however, this year... We did not have a single movie in common of what was our top 10. So we are going to be listing off each of our individual top 10s. Uh, we have a few in particular that we are have some very different opinions on, and we are going to that get we're gonna into. Fight about. That we're going <laughs> to fight about. Um, before we get into that, um, I'm going to shout out our Instagram. Uh, at Houston, we have a pod. At Houston, we have a podcast on Instagram uh, where. Me and you, in addition to posting our top 10 lists, we are also going to post at some point over the next month our top 10 most anticipated for 2022. Um, so maybe help you guys do some research on what to look forward to next year, um, something we've done a couple of years now. Um, and also shout out to number one, Houston, we have a podcast, Instagram fan, Dave Sar, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, who finally took me up on a three-year offer of replying on social media and now getting a shout out on our podcast so thank you for that dave um and yeah hey, wasn't it because he won our fantasy football league uh he also won our fantasy football league but i think the mere fact that someone engaged with us on social media got a <laughs> shout out um he didn't listen to my instructions where i said anyone who requested a topic we would then make that topic an episode but maybe that'll come in the future sometime Classic Dave. What a terrible guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, before we get into our top tens, um, two questions I had for you, and I'm going to answer these as well. Are there any movies that you haven't seen this year that you think would be on your top ten when you get a chance to see them? And do you have any honorable mentions? Yes. So in terms of uh, um, movies that I have not been able to see, um, obviously because of the COVID and theater situation, I have one and a half um, one I've been, I've called out on the podcast before, uh, licorice pizza, uh, starring, um, one of the, uh, band members of Heim. Um, and, um, that is the half movie because I have been looking forward to it for a while, but I've, like in, with, since I haven't been able to watch it, I, I was reading a little bit about it, like a few reviews. And I think the consensus was, it was kind of kind of slow um and i tend not to like those types of movies and we'll get into that later as we talk about carson's list <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i still want to see it i don't know if it'll make my top 10 anymore and then the other one that i really wanted to see or sorry i just had interest kind of out of nowhere was nightmare alley uh by guillermo del toro because i very much like his style and um it looks quite interesting um, and that one could make my top 10 because um, it, it was tough, even though I had seen a lot of movies this year, uh, kind of being cooped up at home. Um, the like nine and 10 spots on my list were kind of very interchangeable uh, with, I, I think I had a list of five movies that were honorable mentions, but I'll let you talk about your uh, your potential top 10s. Um, yeah, my potential that. top 10 is the exact same as yours, but I think just kind of reversed. 
Um, so Licorice Pizza, which is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. I was looking at this before. Every single movie directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, I have rated better than every single movie I watched in 2021. So, you know, doesn't mean that it'll be number one on my list, but it's safe to say that it would be on my top 10 list somewhere, especially considering kind of the bottom five of my list is probably not the strongest. Uh, I don't think we fully recovered like the film pandemic world into like, I don't know, last couple of years have not been the best for movies. So the fact that we have a Paul Thomas Anderson movie coming out, pretty safe bet it'll be high on that list. I would also agree with your sentiment that you're probably not going to like it. I think if I had to guess your opinion, you would probably say, ah, that was a really well-made movie. I was just kind of bored because that's kind of on par with what he's done with some other movies. Um, He's definitely quite well. (laughs) He he makes slower movies that are well-acted and well-shot, but they take their time for sure. Um, I have have a question for you, actually, really quick. You think it might be a uh, uh, the dead don't die situation? I don't remember if you remember our conversation about that, but I was kind of like upset, <laughs> not just, not just like disappointed. I was like actually upset at what I had seen because I was not expecting that kind of movie. And I guess it's that director's style. No, because that one, I feel like, so that movie directed by Jim Jarmusch, that's also kind of unlike some of his other stuff. Like it felt like kind of a fuck you to the entire movie industry, that movie. And it was mm-hmm. also advertised very, very poorly. Like I watched the trailers and I was like, they're, they're fooling us. This is not what this movie is <laughs> going to be about. Um, so it, it was that combined with like, it was a weird movie to begin with. Um, whereas this one, like, I feel like they've captured it decently well in the trailers. Like it's, it's probably going to be a, a heartwarming movie and, you know, have some mm-hmm. nice visuals in it and nice acting. So I, I don't think they're selling it improperly. Okay, cool. That's good um, to know. And then Nightmare Alley. I mean, I'm only like really good trailer. Guillermo de Toro is a great director. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll probably be on my top 10, but I'm just not super excited for it for whatever reason. I feel like Guillermo de Toro may be entering his Wes Anderson phase of his career where, you know, he's done his inspired work and now that he's famous, everyone wants to work with him. And so it's like, yeah, I look at the cast and it's just like, I feel like you're going to have a lot of famous actors not giving their best effort in it. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) It was kind of the reverse. Well, not on that last point, but the, the trailer, I wasn't like, didn't look that interesting to me at first. I think just off the fact that it is Guillermo del Toro, and I, I think I've liked pretty much everything else that he's done. Um, that was like the only reason. I don't even like Bradley Cooper. I'm not particularly like fond of him, and he's like he's the main main character in that, right? Yeah, but there's a ton of surrounding cast as well. Yeah. Anyways. We'll, uh, uh, I, we'll maybe post on our Instagram if our if our lists are to be updated in the near future. Uh, and what about your honorable mentions? Oh, okay. I oh, um I had quite a few. I'll try and narrow it down so I don't talk for an hour. Um, but like I said, I I'd see, I've seen a shitload of movies this year, and um, to your point, Carson, I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily feel like they, they were all bad or like the movie industry is not doing well, but there was a lot of like, there was a lot of like 
this is okay <laughs> type movies. Um, uh, and so the the main ones that I left off my list, uh, for example, Godzilla I was versus Kong. I was looking forward to that one from my my list at the beginning of the year. That was it was good, not top ten worthy. Um, Candyman was a good one, um, also on my looking forward to list. Um, I think I think I've just been striking out every every year for the past like three years that we've been doing this on my uh, uh, top tens of the year. But um, I, I think the the two main ones that I would have or that were closest to going on my top ten list were uh, uh, Tick Tick Boom which is a musical on Netflix starring Andrew Garfield um, about the story of Jonathan Larson, who created Rent, apparently. Um, and I had no, I had no idea um, about like that actual story, um, but uh, it was directed, I think written and directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I mean, if, if you can get past some of the, uh, the cheesiness of like, of the fact that it's a, well, sorry, not the, not only the fact that it's a musical, I think, cause I don't mind musicals. Like I actually rather like some, um, the music in this one in particular, I felt was like, kind of, was kind of cheesy. I don't know. Maybe that's just me and, or I'm not just a, I'm just not like a, a real musical fan. Uh, but it was acted really well. And the story was kind of, was pretty interesting. Uh, or compelling, I would say. I don't know, for lack of a better word. Um, so it, it was just well acted, well made. Um, it's just not exactly my thing. So if you're if you're into musicals, I think maybe that would be a good uh, recommendation. Um, and then the other one was The Harder They Fall, which is like the complete opposite type of movie. It's just kind of like a, it's a fun Western uh, with like a largely black cast. Um, it's kind of like a, a different reality where I guess, I guess there's no or less slavery. Uh, so they're just kind of, I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I might need some help here. Have you seen uh, The Heart of They Fall? Yeah, it feels like the cowboy version of like a black exploitation film, maybe. Like it's, it. it's doing it like, I, I don't think in that era and i'm not a historian that like every single black person in america was a slave so it's like it, it wouldn't well, be impossible but this takes place in a niche neighborhood that is only black so it's like yeah yeah well i guess i i think yeah because the the reason that i uh make it that bigger of a uh of a focus or i i feel like it's that much more of a focus is uh there's one scene where they 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 have to rob a bank so they go to white town <laughs> and it's just like where all the white people live um and every like all the buildings are white which was kind of a good funny sight gag um but uh it, it just it was that's why it makes me feel like it's kind of like a different reality um um uh, just to to have this world where or to have this story where everyone in the wild west or like everyone who matters is black um but yeah it was a fun uh like it was a fun uh, Western action movie, um, um, but uh, yeah, it was like just on the outside of my top ten. That's fair. I liked it. Uh, not enough to get into my top ten, but I would also shout that out. 
Um, two movies that were nowhere near my top 10, but I wanted to mention, but they're somewhere around like the 20 to 30 mark. Um, one Beckett, uh, which is a movie with John David Washington, where he's like running around Europe on the run from the law or whatever. Um, it's really not special that anyone's ever going to put it on a top 10 list, but it just like, it felt like a nice throwback to like nineties action movies. Um, not like Sylvester Stallone 90s action movies, but just like small scale <laughs> acting based suspense. Um, even just the action was done a little bit different. And it's just like, I don't know, it's a good two hour movie to pass the time. Would encourage watching it if you have time. Um, and the other one, which I surprisingly liked, but can't really say that it's a good movie, is Boogie. Um, which oh, is, uh, I, I don't know, like it has a lot of the hallmarks of sports movie where, like, you know, they have the big you know, the villain and the big, you know, tournament or championship at the end, but it just, it did enough different things. Um, for example, making the main character a very unlikable person um, that just made it fun for me. And I, I like sports movies enough, I guess, that seeing something a little different and well-made, it's like, yeah, no one talking about it, but I liked it. Well, that was, yeah, that was, Boogie in particular was a movie that I was also looking forward to, uh, for obvious reasons, <laughs> um, being a, a basketball movie about with an Asian lead, which you never see. But I don't know. I, I felt like I was very let down. Um, uh, just, I, I don't know. I It, it felt kind of like it, it was put together weirdly for me. Like one example is like the basket, like any of the basketball scenes, you, it, I'm not like a film expert, but it it looked like th there was no um, it, like the, the basketball scenes were just really were shot strangely where you you can't you couldn't really see like you couldn't really understand what was happening in the game. It's not like I understand basketball, but like it didn't really flow that well, I felt like. And it, it wasn't because of the way it was shot. It didn't really I, I didn't really care or get into the basketball part of it and then also like the the character stuff was fine but i i felt like i don't know all the all the dialogue was like unnatural <laughs> i don't know it was just it was just weird to me and i i think maybe i also hyped or hyped it up in my mind a little too much um which is probably not fair because uh eddie eddie huang who i think wrote and directed it is not like that was his first movie uh so i i think that could have been a reason as well but yeah i didn't have as much I, expectations for it which i think is why i maybe enjoyed it better and it, it felt like it was a director being self-aware about his younger self and being like look at how much of an asshole i was um so i was like i don't know i kind of liked it from that perspective um but anyway we're we're 15 minutes into an episode about our top 10 lists and we have not talked about either of our top 10 lists <laughs> so let's get into that um so We'll go through this, like I'll say my number 10 and then you say no, your number 10. I'll, I'll go first because I want to end on your number one because I think we're going to have uh, <laughs> a long argument about that. Um, so anyway, I'll get into it. My number 10 on my list is a movie called The Lamb, uh, which is a, I say Swedish or Icelandic movie. Um, that is, oh, and sorry, before I get into this, we're going to go full spoilers for a lot of the movies that we talk about. I'm going to put the time codes in the podcast description. So if you still want to watch a movie and you want to skip over our description, I'll give you the time code to skip over to. Um, so yeah, spoiler alert, 
Uh, lamb is about a movie where a couple can't have a child and then they adopt a lamb that has the body of a human and it becomes really weird, but metaphorical. And I enjoyed it from a, um, it's a weird movie with a metaphor and it gets it out of the way and it doesn't like, I thought there was going to be a grand metaphor that they eventually get to in the end that explains all the weirdness that's going on. They don't, they get it out of the way. They allow the story to, to breathe and have room and just be weird. And, and I was okay with that. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to say than that because it's just a weird movie that I enjoyed. I I have some things to say about, about it. <laughs> are we, are we doing this or do you want to just go through the list first? And then no, 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 go, you go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, so I also watched lamb, um, cause it, it looked weird and interesting. Um, and it was what I, or like, sorry, the story was what I thought it was, but it, it, as it turns out, I, or I felt like the story was something that you could have done in like 15 minutes um, and not two hours. Uh, it's a very slow paced movie. And I mean, I think those types of movies I'm not, I, I tend to not like. Um, I mean, not all of them. There are some that are paced slowly and I do like, but Lamb in particular, I did not like at all um, because I, I like I get that there's like there's, it's a metaphor, like they, they can't have children and then they take they they this lamb slash child or child with a lamb head is like they're like a, a it symbolizes like, I don't know, they're they're need to have a, a child at any cost i guess or something like that and then that's the thing like it doesn't really symbolize anything like it's just like oh they can't have a kid so now they have a lamb child and like it doesn't have or, really yeah. a message it's just like it is what it is yeah and but i mean like so exactly that but stretched out over two hours i i, I found it not enjoyable <laughs> for myself that's um, fair. I think that's like just a personal taste thing because like it, for me, yeah. I love the atmosphere and it's like, I don't care what was happening. I love being in that setting with the, you know, just cinematography and the sound. And it's one of those things of like the credits rolled and I just wanted to sit there for a little longer just to kind of soak in that atmosphere. So I didn't mind that it was slow because I just enjoyed being there. That's, that's fair. And I think that's kind of the same fight that we had about the green Knight. Yes. Very uh, much the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt I said not to shit on your, <laughs> your top 10, one of your top 10 movies, but I liked this even less than the great green light, but again, personal preference thing. That's fine. You can shit on my top 10 list because I'm going to do the same in a little bit. So. Oh, I know. That's why I'm getting mine out of the way early. Uh, I don't have much more to say on lamb. So if you have nothing else, what's your top 10 nope. or your number 10? Oh, my number 10. So yeah, my number 10 uh, was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is also, I think, one of the few movies on my that have ended up on my top 10 list um, that uh, I actually had on my top 10 most anticipated movies. Um, it was it your was, number one, right? I think it was, yeah. Um, which, and it, it's, it's on number on my number 10 now because partly because um i watched it all the way back in january and i i can't really remember it that much and there's a few things that i've seen throughout the year um that i mean are are easily that, that i enjoyed that i easily enjoyed a lot more than judas and the black messiah that being said it was a good movie 
Um, I think the main thing that I remember and I didn't like, and it's not a knock on the movie, it's a knock on reality, <laughs> I guess, but it just the story of what happened uh, is really frustrating to see. Um, it, it's just like a, it's like a racism thing. Um, but I mean, as a movie, it's good. It's just, I, I think I'm starting to, uh, I, I'm starting to not like, or no, that's not, that's not the right way to put it. Like the, the, the types of movies where it shows like injustice or like racial injustice or like, or for example, the last duel where they, it, it's like about, um, it's about a, a woman being raped in medieval times and uh, like the, how it's so, how it's so like uh, uh, not, like how it was handled poorly, I guess. I'll leave it at that because it's gonna come up later in the podcast, but that kind of stuff is like, I, I'm just not, it, it's not, um, it's not fun to watch, I guess. Um, and I, I'm now even more so now when I watch a movie, it's kind of more of like an escape for me. Um, so yeah, sorry, that was a really, that was hard to get out. <laughs> you don't want to watch things that have upsetting themes. You want to just watch a movie that references movies you watched in your childhood. Um, <laughs> Anyway, sure. We'll have that conversation later. Um, I, wait a sec. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll let that one. I'll let that one marinate. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have too much to say about Judas and the Black Messiah. It was in my top twenty. Good movie. Not as good as I wanted it to be. Um, but pretty well made overall. Yeah. Um, my number nine, which is going to be very similar to my thoughts as my number ten, The Power of the Dog. Uh, I'm a sucker for Westerns. A lot of this, my enjoyment of this movie came down to like cinematography and just like the setting. Um, I also watched it the day after I watched Spider-Man No Way Home. And I was like, oh, right. Benedict Cumberbatch can act, Um, which was so very different acting skill required to be like an entertaining person in a big blockbuster movie versus like a small scale movie like this. And I think Benedict Cumberbatch does both pretty well. But it's nice to see him do a movie like this every once in a while where it's just like his pure acting chops on display. Um, and like he carried the movie. There's like some other stuff that was also good, but it was mainly on the strength of his performance. Oh, is that? That's, that's your what summary. I have to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I also, interestingly enough, saw The Power of the Dog. I guess I, like I said, I've watched a shitload of movies this year and a lot of movies that I guess I normally wouldn't watch. And this was one of them. Um, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it was not what I, I, I was not expecting what I saw. Um, I, I thought it would be like a more of a, a typical Western and it definitely was not. It was more about like, it, it was more about like the subtleties and what uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was doing to like torment Kristen Dunst. Should I even go into like the story? Uh, if you want. Nah, I won't. Um, I mean, just my, my. I'll try and keep this one brief, but it was similar to Lamb, uh, in that it was very slow paced, and I felt like, um, like, I get, I get that it's supposed to be, um, 
um, what's the word? It's supposed to be, uh, damn it, like subtle. Well, I said that already. It's supposed to be like, yeah, everything that's happening is very subtle. You're supposed to it, like, you, you have to catch these little things that, uh, because Benedict Cumberbatch is like, he doesn't like the, the woman that his brother has married and he's just like torturing her slowly. And it does feel like slowly, it's like that very slowly for two hours. And it's just along the same lines as Lamb that I, it, I I felt like you could watch that or you could get that same point across in like 15 to 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked how subtle it was because I think you could interpret the movie a few different ways and it would still be a good movie in any of those ways. Like in one way, spoiler alert, you could interpret Benedict Cumberbatch's relationship with the kid to be very sexual or not sexual at all and i think it still works either way um and i like how the little kid not the little kid he's like I don't know, 18 19 <laughs> this isn't a pedophile movie um he he kind of starts off you know, a little bit um he starts off being like the person you feel bad for because he's getting like picked on and he's not enough of a, of a man and then like as the movie goes on you realize that he's almost a bit of a psychopath himself or like he has more character and toughness in him. He's just like acting a bit different. He's more smart about it. Yeah. And so like, I like that it was kind of that really slow character drama type thing that was in a Western setting. And so like, again, one of those movies that wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but it was still well-made enough and good enough of an acting performance by those involved. Even Kirsten Dunst did a pretty good job for what the character was supposed to be. Um, that I liked it overall. That's fair. So it's another personal preference thing for me. Yeah. What's your number nine? My number nine was uh, Last Night in Soho, um, <clears throat> which is by, what's his name? Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Uh, yeah, whose style I really enjoy. Um, it's, uh, it's like, it's a horror movie or it's billed as a horror movie. Um, it's not like a really a typical horror movie it's uh about this girl who who's get who moves to or he she's in fashion school in in england or in the uk and she's uh she moves into a like a an, a really old house where this girl was murdered and she starts having visions and stuff about the, this girl's history um which is i i think i mean it's just really it was very unique, I guess. Um, and um, what's her name? Thomasin McKenzie is the, the main girl, and Anya Taylor Joy is the her like the the past girl, uh, or like the, the the victim from like that that she's having visions about. Um, and they they both do really well. Um, it uh, I don't know. That's I don't have too much to say about it. It was was just off my top 10. I really wanted it to like it. I think it suffered a little bit from expectations because like Edgar Wright, obviously great director who's done a lot of great stuff. This is his first time making like kind of a pure horror movie. Although again, not really that much of a horror movie. Um, It just, it didn't have the style that some of his other movies did that maybe I was expecting. It's good. I, I like that whenever he finishes his movies, it just kind of like goes off the deep end and goes crazy. Kind of like, I'm thinking like hot fuzz <laughs> or end of the world type thing. Um, yeah. So I appreciate that it kind of goes in a similar direction with this one, but it just it almost, almost good. 
Yeah, I think the the main uh, not a negative, but the the thing working against it was that his, is that his style doesn't exactly lend to a horror movie. Um, it, it's just like the the um, I don't know, just the it's his stuff is kind of is like very upbeat, I guess, um, and you you feel that in this movie with like the the music and just how things move fairly quickly um uh like um I, I don't know how to i can't really compare it to anything but um yeah just that it's not it's not what you'd normally expect from a horror movie and if you if you really want to see a horror movie i guess you you might be disappointed or it might just seem very different which i mean was fine for me but like I said, it's it, it's not exactly a, a a horror movie, but it's interesting. It, it had enough visual flair, like just the thing about when she's inhabiting Anya Taylor Joy's body that like you see her in the mirrors, and she's mm-hmm. kind of like watching in while the scene is happening while kind of reenacting it. Like I, I like those little bits of visual stuff that Edgar Wright does well, but again, it's like uh, neat things that just I don't know never fully completes itself, but still pretty good. Yeah. Hey, we agreed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most agreement we'll have here. I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, my number. Did you have anything else to say about that? No, no. That's it. Okay. My number eight uh, is a movie called The Card Counter, uh, which stars Oscar Isaac as a ex Abu Ghraib prison guard who had to go to jail and is now living as like a poker professional poker player or professional blackjack slash poker player. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one either because it's just like Oscar Isaac does a pretty good job in that role. And it's, it's not a gambling movie. Like there's a lot of, whenever you see poker and gambling in movies, it's always like, you know, tries to show all the flash and the uh, cool side of gambling. And then somebody crashes and burns and then you learn that lesson. And so that was my fear with this movie is that it was like, Oh, you're, you're setting up another gambling movie. And it's really not, it's, it's completely different story that it's going off of that deals much more with like his regret or paying for the past or stuff like that. And so not too much to say, but it's a slow movie. You're probably not going to like it. Um, I was just about to say this looks pretty interesting and I would like to watch it, but thank you for that. That might save me some, some time. I might still watch it. Like what, what am I, what else am I doing? Really? It's not as slow as lamb or power of the dog. It's slower. And you get like, I don't know, you, you sort of get some uh, decent poker scenes out of it. Um, also, Tiffany Haddish, who I usually really don't like, um, she does a pretty good job in this movie. So I always like seeing actors or actresses that I don't like surprise me and do, uh, do a lot of different. <laughs> yeah. That was going to be my next question, how she did, because you don't. she doesn't do a whole lot of stuff like this. And she doesn't act any different. Like She's kind of still her typical self, but it fits into the movie, I guess, in the right way. Now I'm now I'm even more interested. Also, Willem Dafoe is in it. <laughs> you know what he what else he's in? <laughs> he did a great job. We'll we'll talk about that. Later. Card Counter was his best movie of the year. Oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, is that it for uh, yep. number eight for you? Number eight for me was uh, Matrix Resurrections, um, and I mean. Actually, no, it wouldn't. There's no way it would be higher on my list. But it's I, I have it here, kind of in the same way how I had um, uh, Wonder Woman on my list last year, um, just for like kind of the spectacle of 
what it is. And I think my expectations were really low. Um, and I just had a really fun time watching it because I thought it was hilarious. Um, we're already into spoilers. I'll spoil yep. a little bit, I guess. The first 30 to 40 minutes is just like a big mind fuck and you have you don't really know what you're watching. Um, and I just thought like what they, it was very meta and it's just very interesting. And it, I was, I was on board for that ride. And then it just turns into like a kind of a, kind of a typical, like a very standard action movie, which if you're going into this expecting a good action movie, you'll be very disappointed. And I think judging by the reviews, that's what's happened a lot. But if you're like, I don't know. It's just, it, it was more, I enjoyed it more as like, like a kind, not exactly a clusterfuck because it wasn't that bad, I don't think, but it was just, you could see that, uh, what's it, Lana Wachowski. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you could just feel the disdain that she had for having to make this movie. And I just thought it was, I just thought that was really funny. Um, I, I really don't know how to explain it any better because it's just so, so strange up until it just kind of turns into a regular action movie. I wouldn't have cared much about it if the first half an hour hadn't have been good. Because (laughs) everything after the first half hour is not just bad, but boring. Like the action scenes are boring. Uh, If you look back to some of the the Matrix sequels, like Matrix 2, where he fights the hundreds of Agent Smiths, that's a bad scene kind of, but it's also entertaining and funny. And so, like, I would watch that scene, again, just, like, for the pure entertainment value. But there's mm-hmm. nothing that's bad enough in a way that it's entertaining or interesting enough action. Like, it really is just super boring after they get past the first half hour. So, the, I'll disagree with you there. Because the action, I, why I still enjoyed the action, even though the action is not good, is because it was not good. Like, I, I thought it was, there's one action scene, for example, um, there's a fight in like a warehouse and it just looks so like everything looks so bad. Um, like the, the, the villains or like the hench people look like they came off Broadway as the cast of stomp. And they, they it just like the, the fighting itself looks so like underwhelming. And it's not something that you'd expect from a movie like this, which I thought, which is why I thought it was really funny and then the whole time you have the Merovingian <laughs> from the original trilogy, like just screaming nonsense because he's turned into like a homeless, crazy person now, apparently. And it just like, it was so, I don't know. It's just so funny. And then having um, Jonathan Groff as like the new, like the rebooted Agent Smith. Uh, so if you don't know, Jonathan Groff is like King Henry from from Hamilton. And he's like, he's a, he's a musical theater guy. Like he's, he's, he he's not he's not an action star so you can see that like as much as i i like him he like him fighting neo is just it seems very like wooden and choreographed like you know when you're doing like taekwondo patterns and it's just very like mm, 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 like stiff step by step it kind of looked like that but i don't know it just all these things all these weird things about it made me enjoy the movie so much more yeah, I, I didn't know who that guy was, but he didn't fit. Like, it, everything just seems so poorly cast in this movie, um, <laughs> especially Neil Patrick Harris in that role. Like, compare him to a lot of people hate on The Architect. I love The Architect. Um, I think that's, like, an awesome character, even if a lot of what he's saying is 
unnecessary and kind of like broken English in a way, but it's the way that his character acts and kind of the gravitas that he has for the role. Same with Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. Like you have these people that have really high expectations in terms of screen presence and gravitas and you replace them with people who have zero. And like, I don't hate Neil Patrick Harris as an actor, but for that role, he does not fit at all. Oh Um, yeah. I can't take him seriously. Um, but yeah, like the first half hour, like, and I had heard in reviews before I watched it that like people got disappointed after the first half hour. So I knew they weren't going to go anywhere with it, but I thought for a while that they were going to do a bit of a total recall situation where they're like, is mm. Neo in the matrix? Is he making this all up? And kind of like, you don't know what's going on. And like, that would have fit the franchise and that would have been interesting and fresh, but they just like, they don't do anything with it. Not that I'm like a huge proponent of just like copying another movie, but like, I mean, it, it would have been different enough from Total Recall that you could have gotten away with it. But even yeah. if you're trying to do that, you need to have the story that he's going into be exciting and being like the action adventure type thing. And it's it's just really not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these are all things that made me enjoy it. And can I, side note, I, I'm absolutely not at all surprised that you like the character of the architect. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, when, when like the the final plan to like save Trinity from the Matrix and the, is like underway, like the the last I don't know twenty to thirty minutes of the movie, it's like okay, none of this none of this matters. This is I, I don't care. Like I didn't even fully understand their plan. Like th- they had to go to the machine world and like unplug her, but like plug in the the other girl from their team in her body and like. And with the little brown girl from uh, the second movie, what's her name? Sati. So, oh yeah, Sati. Um, who, who's uh, what? Priyanka Chopra. Yeah. She grows up to be Priyanka Chopra, and she's <laughs> just like out of nowhere. She's she has this plan to to overthrow the machines and save Trinity, and it's like okay. And they're like standing around a, a some. <laughs> some well talking it, about it reminded like... me of um in the phantom menace when they're sitting in the forest the nabu and the gungan like planning what they're gonna happen <laughs> oh yeah 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 no that actually i didn't make that that i can see that let see that even even that makes me <laughs> I, that was one thing that i didn't like but now i, I <laughs> like it even even more um, i, just, I, I didn't just, listen to I, any of the conversation that was going on i was like i i don't care <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of the same for me. I mean, I was trying to understand it, but like after a little bit, like none of the plan made sense to me and my eyes kind of just glazed over and then they just did some action things. And I mean, it, it there were still meta moments um, because at the end, which I also enjoyed, um, although uh, like most of that meta stuff is in the first half of the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just... Overall, I, I I recommend it if you if you have low expectations and you want to see something crazy or bad like quote unquote bad. <laughs> so he, here's one other thing that annoyed me about the movie that I've been wanting to mention. Early on in the movie, they establish color symbolism: red pill versus blue pill. Neil Patrick Harris has blue glasses on. Uh, Neo is taking the blue pills for his, you know, bipolar disorder, or whatever they say. So it's like, oh, blue pill. Um, Morpheus comes out wearing red, and then he has a red red robe when they fight in like the dojo. So it's like, okay, you're you're establishing something, and then you have the Bugs character have 
blue hair and the other <laughs> neo historian have blue glasses and you're like are you trying to say something do you just forget what you were trying to establish like anyway i wanted to mention I, that because it annoyed me as i was watching the movie is was that really a thing like i i guess i the the only thing that bothered me about morpheus is that i never understood why morpheus was a machine now and it just never he's made program. sense throughout the whole movie he's or sorry a program whatever or he's a program called morpheus created to find morpheus he is a or- program created by neo somehow i don't know how neo creates programs um, that is based on his memories of a previous person, but he is not the same person as Morpheus. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> to watch the movie, it really doesn't matter. I didn't understand it. I still don't, and I well, both of us still don't, and I still really enjoyed it. <laughs> I can't say I disagree with what you're saying, even though we have very different opinion on our enjoyment of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. Um, you're, uh, you're at number seven now, right? Number seven in a very different type of movie, Spencer, uh, which is a movie about Princess Diana starring Kristen Stewart. Um, yes, she has a bad accent. Yes, it works for the movie. Um, so basically for those that aren't familiar with the movie, it's a story about one Christmas when she's like hanging out with the rest of the royal family and she's feeling like an outsider and she feels like she doesn't belong and she's stuck in her marriage with, uh, Prince Charles. It feels very suffocating. Like Kristen Stewart does a good job of being different. And that's why the bad accent for me works because like you have all these royals with the perfect British accent. And then you have Kristen Stewart doing her attempt at a British accent, which makes her seem like more of an outsider. Um, She does a good performance. It made me research more about Princess Diana afterwards because you're curious about the story. And like, I'm sure a lot of it is not historically correct. I'm okay with because it's a, a very small scale character drama. The character drama works. You understand the characters and all the feelings around it. So for me, it worked really well as a movie and just like the atmosphere and the acting and all that good stuff, which is a theme of my list that is probably going to continue. <laughs> you mean both our lists, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just Googled Spencer and the first thing that came up is how Kristen Stewart nailed Princess Di's accent. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I think she is an outsider, and so she doesn't have that accent, but I don't know. I think based on some of the interviews I had seen with her, she nails the, the mannerisms and like the way she speaks. I don't know if her accent is correct, but mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if she got Oscar nomination for this. Really? That's cool. Good for you, Kristen Stewart. I'll probably end up watching this because my fiance will want to because she likes Princess Diane. But I didn't see it. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Fair. Um, moving on. Uh, my number seven was Werewolves Within, um, which is uh, I, I completely a, a surprise uh that I, I did not know that this movie existed. I stumbled upon it on Netflix. Um, and it's just a kind of a fun co- horror comedy um, where it's just a bunch of people trying to figure out which one of them is, a, or they're co- cooped up in like a, a some sort of 
lodge or motel and one of them is a werewolf and is killing them and they have to figure out who it is there's a, a bit of like caricature or like the, some of the characters are like caricatures of like there's the there's the super conservative like like uh and like trump supporter stand in there's like a, a stoner character there's like the main guy is like a super nice uh a super nice and positive like park ranger or something like that um but uh i mean it's not like a masterpiece but it's it it was fun um yeah yeah this is the only one on your list that i hadn't seen so i don't have too much comments i know it stars the the woman from the at&t commercials um what or uh, I, that was the only person on the cast that I recognized, um, or whatever telecom sprint. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, but I'll I'll check it out on the strength of your recommendation because last year <laughs> you recommended a movie with uh, Vince Vaughn where it's like a Freaky Friday thing, and I actually ended up oh, liking yeah. that one. So uh, I'll I'll check it out. I have nothing to comment right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean. I don't, I don't know. It's it's. I don't know if. Actually, no. You know what? I will. I will keep my recommendation for you. I don't know if you're gonna like it. I don't. I, I, I don't love it, probably, but I could like it. No, I know. I, I'm. What I'm saying is, I think you'll just. It'll be very. It'll. It'll be adequate <laughs> for you. So the one question I have is, um, you said it was. They're all stuck in a situation. They need to figure out who the werewolf is. Is this like a movie adaptation of the party game? Or is it just a coincidence? Yes. Well, it says it's a video game or adaptation of a video game, which I didn't know. I know there's a werewolf board game. I didn't know there was a werewolf, where, sorry, werewolves within video game, but it is based on that. Interesting. I mean, and you know what? I'll give this extra credit because video game ad- adaptations are never good. <laughs> um, Resident Evil, cough, cough. <laughs> um, uh, actually, yeah, can I give a, like a, What's the opposite of a honorable mention? Dishonorable mention? I'll do that later. Um, you can go for yeah. it. Yeah, I'll do that later. Um, but yeah, this is probably the best video game adaptation movie <laughs> that I've ever seen. So I'll give it more credit. Fair, fair. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else to say about it? Um, the AT&T girl. I have to lower my voice for this. Super cute. <laughs> Uh, my number six. In the movie. <laughs> uh, my number six is a movie called "Come On, Come On." Uh, I had heard some good rumors about this. Part of the reason I was excited for it was the same director made a movie a few years ago called "20th Century Women," which I really, really liked, and I think it was my second or third favorite movie of that year. Um, so seeing him create something else, uh, was just generally excited for it. Uh, stars Joaquin Phoenix, and is basically just about. Uh, an uncle needs to spend a weekend with his nephew who is, I don't know, maybe has a personality disorder or something. And he's just like dealing with having a kid and how to raise a kid and all that. Um, this is one of those, like, sometimes you just watch a movie at the right time in life and enjoy it. Not just because of the movie, but because of, you know, what you're bringing to it as somebody who is a new father and like dealing with like, how do you raise a kid and how does that interact with your life? Like, it's just really good from that perspective because it also like one of the things that's a reoccurring thing throughout the movie is 
Joaquin Phoenix's job is he's working for radio or something, and he's going around the country interviewing kids about what they feel the world is right now. And so this movie, it brings in that empathy of like, what is it like to be a kid? What wisdom do kids have for the world? And like just that general theme. And so it's a very simple, straightforward movie. That's just like the relationship between this uncle and nephew. Um, But just like, pondering those thoughts at this time of my life is kind of like just resonated with me. And so I probably liked it more just because of that. And Joaquin Phoenix also does a good job. So That's nice. That was yeah. unexpectedly heartwarming for you, Carson. <laughs> I like movies that are heartwarming sometimes. Nothing else well, on the rest I, of my I, list is I heartwarming. But... For you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing else to say on it. Cool. And not like, not uh, a knock is more of like a general thing for me. I mean, I haven't seen this movie, but I, I, I think, and this is my like dumb movie watcher take. I feel like if any black and white movie that I see in like in the present day, I feel like I'm usually bored. Yeah. Not, I, not there's... taking away from from this one that you just talked about. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason why this movie needs to be black and white. I don't know why they made that decision. Um, <laughs> but it is, and I don't mind it. So it wasn't a plus or a minus for me. Yeah. Still nice, everything you said. Just kind of, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Am I, wait, is it your? Yeah, your number turn. six. Uh, my number six is nobody. Um, I think we've we've talked about this on the, podcast before, we've discussed it right? before, it's yeah. earlier in the year um I, so i won't go too much into it but it's uh uh saul goodman from breaking bad and better call saul uh bob odenkirk um is just uh he's like a like excuse me <laughs> a retired uh super spy agent type person who's like having a bit like midlife crisis and then he uh uh gets he gets into it with some mobsters and it's really it's a really good action movie that's all yeah we talked about it i don't have too much more to add solid wasn't on my top 10 but i don't have anything against it that's for sure yeah um all right my number five uh definitely the weirdest movie i've seen in the last few years is a french (laughs) movie called titan or titan i don't know how to pronounce it um if you're unfamiliar with this director, here's what I'll say. Um, her last movie was called Raw. It was the story of uh, a woman, uh, a young girl from a vegetarian family going to university and becoming a cannibal. Uh, it's a horror movie. Um, what I liked about Raw is it feels like they started with a movie and it was like a very straightforward coming of age movie where it's like, Oh, woman from like strict Catholic family goes to university and becomes like a lesbian or discovers herself like sexually. And then they just said, if instead of sexuality, what if she became a cannibal and just started eating people? And (laughs) for me, that worked because it had all like the, the drama and storytelling that you would have with like coming of age stories, which I really like. And then it just has like this weird element layered in over top. So it doesn't get too bogged down in being a horror movie because it has like these character aspects to it. And so I really enjoyed that. 
and I'm talking more about raw instead of titane because I don't want to spoil what titane is about, but it, it comes from a very similar perspective where it feels like they started with this movie that was kind of normal and grounded about you know, the story of a woman on the on the run from the law uh, trying to like hide out somewhere. And then they were just like, what if we just added in that she fucked a car and then something weird happened after, um, even weirder after. And then it's like, all right, weird horror that just has no explanation for it that is layered on top of an actually heartwarming story that actually has character drama in it. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. No, absolutely zero reason why it had to have all those weird things, but cool. Okay, not to dismiss everything else you said because it does sound interesting to me, but you literally mean that she fucked a car? Yeah, and they don't explain okay. it. They don't explain why, but she has sex with a car and then she gets pregnant. Cool. I mean, this is not, I mean, that's not why I'm interested in the movie, but your description is quite interesting and i it also probably gave me like the biggest cringe face i've had in the last like couple years um with like one of the most disturbing scenes i've seen in a while uh so beware like it it's a horror movie and it gets into horror elements at times okay and slightly less looking forward to watching it now but still intrigued Yeah, just don't call the cops on me if you watch it and know that I liked it. It's it's not that way. <laughs> the Cannes Film oh. Festival made it their palm d'or, so other people like it too. It's not just me being weird. Hey, I uh, I have come to expect weirdness from you. I recommend it. I, I wish I could talk about more of the details of it, but I don't want to spoil it. I want to recommend it and have at least one or two people watch it and be as surprised as I was about what it was about. Okay, it's done. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> uh, probably not. With Titan. You what? That's all I have to say about it. I'm not going to get oh, into okay. too much more details. Okay. Um, this is where my list starts to get very uh, mainstream. <laughs> um, so at five, I have Shang-Chi which I don't think we need to talk about too much, but um, I really liked it. Again, uh, it was, you know, one of those things where like you see yourself, sorry, not because I think I'm, I, uh, I can relate to Simu Liu, but kind of seeing yourself on screen or like as a superhero, it was that kind of thing that I really liked uh, having an Asian superhero in the Marvel universe. And the story was nice too. There's a bit of father son, drama um it's a marvel movie carson probably doesn't like it but (laughs) i don't hate Uh, it i just don't care yeah and and so here's the question i had for you because this is obviously something i can't relate to at all i'm a white guy every movie i've ever watched throughout (laughs) history has been about me um I, i don't understand what value this movie has of just like having an asian superhero on screen as a protagonist like did you feel like that was a, a legitimate thing that was good and a strength of the movie? So I've never really understood that either. Like I've heard, like for example, Black Panther. Um, obviously, I can't relate to that, but I, 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 I kind of understand that people have that feeling towards it. And it was weird because I've never, like, uh, I don't know, Boogie, for example. I don't, not just, not only because I didn't like the movie, 
it's not so I didn't feel like oh my like this could like uh, or like any sort of inspiration like Asian main actor on on screen type thing I didn't feel any of that and I normally don't but for some reason uh watching Shang-Chi I think it was a little it was a little more I don't know how to describe it I I basically I just did kind of feel it and it was weird because I'd never felt that before um maybe because he's like a, a, a Toronto man <laughs> Sinu Liu um it, it's it's yeah it's just really really hard to explain I don't think it came from anywhere in particular it just like uh like I I felt more of a connection here yeah, that's pretty much it. I that's know. fair. I can't, I, I can't relate to or argue against that in any way. Um, <laughs> I was going to say one of the thing I liked the most was Ben Kingsley character, um, just because that was a fun <laughs> callback. But it does feel weird being like this Asian movie. And it's like, what did you like? I liked that one white character that was in it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I I also enjoyed the callback to Ben Kingsley. But then I, like he, he had so much screen time, it, it almost got like a little too much. But I mean... He was funny. I mean, it's Ben Kingsley, and that character is funny. But uh, yeah, not too much yeah. more to say about it. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on Disney Plus for free. So watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I mean, if you like Marvel movies, it gives you what you're looking for. So yeah. I'm not oh, the argue one thing that it. I did want to call out. Uh, maybe this is what I uh, related to the most. Related to the most, but there is a a very purposeful shot of Shang-Chi, or what's his name? Um, sh wait, his name is actually Shang -Chi. No, Sean. It's Sean is his American name. Sean, yeah, is his name in the movie. Um, him and Aquafina going into their house, the camera like purposely focuses on their feet so you can show, it shows like, look, they're taking off their shoes because they're Asian. And that was like, yeah, maybe I think that's what I related to the most. Less so in Canada because like all Canadians take off their shoes at home. Do they? Yeah, that's not like a specific that, like in America they never thing? do, but like white Canadians also take off their shoes at home. Oh, okay. I don't know. I but I thought that was like a very stereotypical like Asian thing. I mean, I think they in the context of the movie that's exactly what they were trying to do with that shot in the context yeah. of American audiences. But for right. Canadians, oh, yeah. Sorry, it's like American. a little bit less so. Yeah, sorry, I forgot everything is about Americans. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, Shang-Chi is good. Um, okay, my number four, uh, which is a movie I know you watched as well, called The Last Duel, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Adam Driver and... Uh, I forget his name. Um, Matt Damon? Matt Damon, yes. <laughs> um, very different movie than I thought it was going to be. Um, if you've seen the movie Rashomon. Um, it is basically that, where they tell the same story three times from different people's point of views. Um, not that Rashomon was the first one to invent that storytelling, but it was the one that made it the most like popular in today's like world. Um, people have been trying to remake that movie like every couple years since it came out. And it always fails because people don't understand how to do it properly. And I felt like The Last Duel is the first one I've seen since that movie that was done properly or that I enjoyed or it felt like a good use of it. Because like when that when that style came out of like, okay, you're going to tell the same story and it's going to be different each time because you're listening to it from a different person's point of view. Um, it, it feels like a gimmick that people are just like, oh, it's 
that's the center of the movie is the gimmick. Whereas this one is like, there's a story that they're telling and there's a reason why you're using this storytelling method to tell it. Um, I, I thought the acting was spot on. Uh, even Ben Affleck, who was in a bit of a weird role, like it felt <laughs> like he was purposely weird and it fit the movie for what that character needed to be. Um, and then the titular last duel at the end of the movie actually delivers. Like it's a, it's a movie that's like two hours of dialogue and then an explosion of like three minutes of action, which I thought was appropriate and was well done. And I think for the most part, I just like that a lot of the other movies on my list are like small scale things that are just simple and focused on storytelling. I appreciate when you can take a grand idea and a grand story and just execute it really well. There. And that's my thoughts on the last duel. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I watched this as well. Um, it was good. Um, I think I the their accents took me out of it a little bit. Like, and whenever I see Matt Damon or Ben Affleck doing a voice or like an accent, I it just I I can't I can't hear it. <laughs> like, it's not it doesn't seem right to me. Even just seeing Ben, I felt like Ben Affleck was almost almost miscast, which is weird because he what he made the screenplay with Matt Damon. But anyways, I good it's a good movie. Um, I alluded to this before, but it's like, I think the main knock that I have against it, and it's not the movie's fault because that's the story, it's just, it's frustrating to watch because it's it's about how uh, this lady got raped and now she's like taking all this heat uh, because uh, the world sucks and it just sucks to see. <laughs> yeah, it, it's certainly upsetting subject matter as it's, intended to be it's not like played lightly um, yeah it is what it is but it's given the this the the gravity and seriousness that it deserves and uh a little more sorry i was gonna say a little more positively but it's not necessarily positive the the duel at the end is pretty good <laughs> um where oh yeah so you get the Yep. The last two. Okay. Um, uh, the, my number four is The Suicide Squad. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about this one either, but I thought it was funny and it was a fun action movie. Um, what's uh, the fucking director? What's his name? Um, James Gunn. Uh, James Gunn, yes. Um, I mean, he, it, like, if you know what he the type of stuff he does and enjoy that you will like the suicide squad i think that's the, the easiest way i could put it yeah i also liked it i mean didn't love it because i just felt like the story kind of collapses at the end into the generic fight the monster uh <laughs> but i loved polka dot man as did a lot of other people uh, right and i felt like it was appropriately different like just what they do with all the characters at the beginning um, and kind of going in different directions. I was like, yeah, I was surprised enough with different things that they did. And a few scenes were really well done. Enjoyed it. Didn't love it, but enjoyed it. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah. Cool. Good. That's it. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three on my list is a Nicolas Cage in a very un-Nicolas Cage role uh, for the movie Pig. 
which is the story of Nicolas Cage as a famous ex-chef who was living in the wilderness and has his pig stolen from him. And he has to go through the underworld of Portland fancy cooking uh, to you know, go back into the life that he left to get his pig back. Uh, I don't know how much more I have to say about it. It's restrained for a Nicolas Cage movie. The characters and the scenes are all really well done in a subtle way. It's not super flashy. Um, there's certainly like, I feel like there's a version of this movie that would have been made with like the rock or something that could have just been like really dumb and really just like, Oh, we're having a underground fight club with uh, waiters from restaurants across the city. And like every scene you could have done in a worse way, but they did it in a subtle restrained way that felt focused on the character and the drama. And it felt appropriately quirky and dramatic that I enjoyed seeing what was probably written up as a worse movie made well. And I like seeing Nicolas Cage do well every once in a while. <laughs> Good for him. Um, is this, so I have a question for you about this movie because I haven't seen it. It sounds awesome, but is it like Lamb at all? <laughs> it's not as slow as those movies. Like, Basically, the whole movie is he gets his pig kidnapped and then he has to go back to the city and go to these like different things where it's like you learn another clue and then you go to another setting and you learn another clue. So it's moving along. You meet interesting characters along the way that either know who he was or, you know, have some connection with his past. So you learn more about his character as the movie goes on. Like you really know nothing about him at the beginning. And then by the end of the movie, you know about who his character is and what he was and all of that stuff. So the storytelling technique is good that it kind of like slowly unwraps this movie. And at the end it's, it hasn't really done that much. Like it's a very simple, straightforward story, but just Mm -hmm. the way that it's told is interesting. I don't think it's too slow that it would bother you. Like it it does keep moving and you have good characters and interesting things that pop up. It's just like each of the things that come up could have been terrible, but for whatever reason they weren't. Okay, I, I may take your recommendation here. The only other question I have is this: Do we get a freak out? From you do Cage? not get a freak out. This is <sighs> you. If you're watching this for a Nicolas Cage movie, you do not get that. <laughs> okay, well, it's good to know that up front before I watch it. Um, good on pig. Yep. Okay. Um, <clears throat> my number three is another mainstream big movie, No Time to Die. Um, And it is the last Bond movie for Daniel Craig, um, pretty definitively. (laughs) Um, I I liked this uh, for, I think, maybe two or three main reasons. One being, from the very beginning, uh, you can tell that it's going to be a little less serious and more... uh, Pierce Brosnan type uh, James Bond, which is the the type of James Bond that I prefer because it's more silly and more fun. Um, I think a big knock on the past Daniel Craig or the last two or three Daniel Craig Bond movies were that they were kind of like uh, 
what's the word? Miserable. <laughs> um, a little slow, a little, uh, uh, I, I, I guess that's, that's enough. Um, um, but yeah, it, it kind of feels like, and Carson is not going to like this, but uh, it got the Marvel treatment <laughs> um, it, where it's just like, takes itself a little less seriously. Um, there's like the, you can tell from the very beginning with the car chase, like he's, he's got, he's back to using like cool gadgets and like he's quipping uh, as he's fighting and stuff. And there's like more funny characters which is kind of strange after watching all these Daniel Craig Bond movies, but I enjoyed it. It doesn't always work, uh, but I still liked it. And um, it's, if nothing else, it's worth watching because Anna de Armas is in it. <laughs> uh, I thought this movie sucked. Uh, I was <laughs> bored. Um, the only part I did like was with Ana de Armas, and not for that reason, but because it was a fun scene. Oddly enough, like that excuse was the most—excuse me—that's <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> that was probably the goofiest scene in the movie, and for me, it's what worked because it was like so they're in whatever scene they're at, and then it starts getting goofy, and they're like quipping while they're like shooting people, and it's like all that kind of classic, period, like old school James Bond stuff, which I, I don't dislike this movie because of that. Um, I am on like it, it seemed for a while now that nobody wanted the serious born identity version of James Bond, which like yeah. I liked it. I liked it originally a lot of these movies have been boring, but like I still liked the style, but like it's clear that they wanted to get away from that. They wanted to get to the goofier kind of, I guess, Kingsman as well style James Bond. Um, and they will with whoever they recast and I'm fine with that, but it's just like this movie was so boring. Um, <laughs> they had the, the MacGuffin villain that I still don't understand like what his motivation was or what he was trying to accomplish. And it was made worse by the fact that in the last movie, Spectre, they set up this whole organization and they set up this whole big villain that they were going to do multiple movies with. And then they're just like, eh, never mind, we'll just fucking kill them all. Kill them. Um, <laughs> and it's like, what what am I supposed to care about? Like, what are the stakes? Like, who are the... Like, I like flamboyant villain characters, and that's what James Bond has going for it, but I just... There was nothing interesting about it. And, you know, spoiler alert, they kill him at the end, but <laughs> you see it coming from a mile away, and it got to that scene, and I'm just like, am I supposed to care? Was I supposed to be surprised? Like, there was just... None of it worked for me. Well, I mean... You know, he finally settled down with his wife and his—is that his child? I think his child. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought you of all people would uh, <laughs> would appreciate that. Um, only half kidding. Um, but yeah, I will agree with you that the the villain uh, was very underwhelming in this movie. But otherwise, in, in everything else, I disagree. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I, I don't know how to dispute that. Um, <laughs> I One thing I'll say is there was rumors before the movie that the new 007 was going to be the new 007 that they introduced in this movie. Um, pretty clearly not going to be the case because I don't I think the world would get upset by that. Um, but their relationship worked for me. Like her being the over-the-top, super serious, going to get the job done, follow orders type agent to pair him up with 
I thought was a good dynamic as you kind of get like he's the more the rogue agent type thing. So I liked her character. I liked her performance. I, I definitely don't think she's going to continue on in the franchise at all. Yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised if she did, not only because of like the the uproar and the shitty people. Um, um, I I feel like she just doesn't have like any star power. Like she's kind of she's relatively unknown. I think I don't, or maybe I just don't know her. I could be wrong here. I don't know who she is um, either. So, okay, cool. So that settles it. She's relatively unknown. Um, I, I don't. I I doubt that's what they would be looking for in a new bond it'd be cool if they used if she was but yeah i I, I yeah i I also don't think she could hold down the franchise by herself if you were to say anna de armas's character is going to be the new 007 i would say okay she probably has enough (laughs) gravitas that you could hold down a movie with um i don't think people would be on board with that either also because she's not british so oh yeah i was like why why wouldn't people be on board and then i just remembered that she is definitely not british I would be on board because she's a talented actress. <laughs> Sound like a pig. Um, next one. <laughs> uh, the next one, I'm not going to say too much about my number two is the green Knight. We have a whole episode on of us disagreeing about that. If you want to hear our opinions, go look up our previous episodes and we talk for a while about the green Knight. I would recommend listening to our episode about green Knight rather than actually watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more fun to hear us fight about it. I certainly disagree. I thought it was a fantastic movie, but <laughs> to each their own. Um, yes, agree to disagree. Um, I, I, I suppose you're done. Yep. Um, it's funny because the like our top three are we probably going to talk the least about. Well, we we talked about all of these in the past. My top, my second uh, favorite movie from this year was Dune which we also have a full episode about. So I'm not going to say anything more about it. Um, go listen to the episode uh, if you are interested in our thoughts about Dune. Surprise, surprise. We Spoiler alert, we disagree. <laughs> it's still my number 12. Uh, this was the closest we came to having the same movie on our lists, but it oh. just <laughs> missed the cut. Cool. There was a certain point where we both had Last Night in Soho, I think. Yeah, last night was, uh, I ended up putting it number 13, so it was pretty close there as well. But yeah, didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, My number one, we're going to move right along, is another one that we've done a full episode on, which is Justice League Zack Snyder Cut. Uh, I loved it. Uh, It's a fantastic movie, not only on its own right, but I love what it will hopefully mean for Hollywood. That is, if you're making a weird different movie just finish it maybe people will like it don't give them the fantastic four cut of like changing it midstream um i love that we got a director's cut version of one of these movies that it was a complete mess out there um i don't think the snyder universe is going to come back but it was nice to see um i this was actually surprising that i you this was number one on your list for me at least i mean i agree it was good um, and I, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me on this is that is what you said about hopefully uh, of what it means to, to Hollywood. I agree. Hopefully there's less studio interference. It does feel weird. It being my number one, considering the rest of my top 10, 
Like I almost <laughs> tried to make an excuse to put any other movie in my number one spot, but it, it wouldn't have been honest. This was my favorite movie of the year. I think I'm wearing on you. <laughs> um, well, until we start the next conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, I think this is the moment that everyone has been waiting for this whole episode, uh, which is my number one uh, and something that we are definitely, actually, I was kind of surprised at first, but then later on, I was not surprised why Carson hated it. Uh, my number one for this year is Spider-Man No Way Home, which strangely, I wasn't looking forward to that much um, at the beginning of the year. I don't think it was on my top 10 looking forward to or most anticipated movies. Um, it ends the year as my number one because it was just so not fun and emotional. <laughs> and I know Carson doesn't care about any of these things because he's dead inside. I'm just kidding. I'm just getting this fight started right away. Um, okay, Carson, tell me why it sucked. So <laughs> I, I have a question for you to begin with. Yeah. Do you acknowledge that the story sucks and you just don't care because there's other things that entertain you? Or did you actually think the story was good? I I don't have a problem with the story. I don't think the story sucked. Um, it wasn't, the story wasn't like super special or anything. Obviously, I agree that the main draw of this movie is not the story and spoiler alert big spoiler alert it's the whole multiverse thing with all the spider-men um that being said no i don't i do not think the story sucked because <laughs> for me it's just I, I don't know like we've talked about this a lot like i hate references in movie i want to watch <laughs> a movie to watch the movie i don't want to have it like have a story that's going on and have it screech to a halt to be like, Hey, remember this? And that's basically like, this is, Hey, remember this, the movie it like, there is no story that's really going on. It's just, Hey, you liked some old Spider-Man movies. We're going to remind you of those Spider-Man movies. We're going to remind you about the memes that have been made about the Spider-Man movies. And we're going to try to have a story to have these things go along but we're not actually going to have a story in and of itself that is of any entertainment value. I don't know. Okay. I like, yeah, I completely, I completely disagree there because I feel like I, I get the whole like uh, reference thing. Sure. This is kind of reference the movie, but it, it made it worked and made sense because of the story that they were trying to tell. Like, like it's it's about the whole look. I he wants to uh, do better for his friends or like give his friends a better life. Fine, he ends up screwing that up and making things worse. Um, and the whole the whole reason why things have gotten worse makes sense with like the whole like the all the references. I mean, I I think what I'm trying to say is the references are not just references because they work in the context of the story. Which, again, I will disagree with you. I think I, I like the story and I thought it was good. Was it an amazing story? Like super uh, unique and... Uh, well, actually, it was, I, I thought it was fairly unique. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a Marvel movie. And if you're not into that kind of thing, like, like Carson, <laughs> you probably won't enjoy it. I think... Sorry, last note on the references. Like, they... If nothing else, I think it was it was fun or it was nice to see um, like all this history of Spider-Man. Like it, it was good 
I, I thought it was well, uh, well, I thought it was a definite positive for them to take quote unquote, all the failures or past failures of Spider-Man and kind of wrap them up in this movie. I agree and disagree. Like they, they made an attempt to have this be its own story. But for me, it never felt anything other than Disney did an analysis of Twitter. Twitter said, hey, here's 20 <laughs> things that have to be in a movie. And then they said, okay, now we have to find out a story that can justify us doing these 20 things in a movie. Same of like Rise of Skywalker. It's like, it's a movie written by Twitter that the story comes last. The story is just something to connect things along. And I don't necessarily hate references just because they're references. And I've mentioned a few times, Endgame, they found a story that justified them going through their entire history of the MCU and revisiting all these old moments in time and, and basically mm-hmm. making references. And I didn't mind it because it, the story came first and there was a good reason for it. And I was on board for them doing that, even though it was kind of shamelessly, here's a bunch of references. It, it still felt like it's same story, but in this one, it felt like the references got in the way of the story that they were trying to tell. And, and here's an example. Um, spoiler alerts. Um, so Aunt May dies. And that's supposed to be an emotional point in the movie where you're supposed to feel like, oh, he is you know, facing the consequences for his actions of doing these things. Yeah. And then within a couple minutes or so, uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield come on screen. It's like, oh, clap, clap, clap. We're seeing these Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> in the context of the movie, you're not supposed to be in an excited scene. You are in a somber moment of the film but they couldn't help but themselves by throwing more references in. So I, <laughs> so I, I will slightly agree that the, the, the flow or the order of how they did those things was a little bit weird, but I, I think the intention, and it's not just for the purpose of the reference. I think the intention was like, again, it's a Marvel movie. It's, you don't want it to be too sad because obviously Aunt May dying is, a sad thing you don't want people you, the like marvel doesn't want their audiences to be sad the whole time so let's let's bring things up a bit and have this fun stuff like okay here's toby Maguire, here's andrew garfield again still important to the story i will die on that hill and and then we'll go back to like we'll we'll get a little sad again when they finally talk to to tom and they all share their little sadness together um, so it could very well be that like the studios like is just here's all these references that's and that's it and we don't care but it i don't like it didn't feel like that to me so if they had put the story first if you said okay this is a because what they were trying to do with the story is you're saying uh tom holland's spider-man this is about you learning responsibility and consequences of your actions and all those things mm-hmm. If you wanted to bring in the characters to tell that story, what I would have done is I would bring in, okay, you want to bring in two Spider-Man characters. That's fine. You want to see alternate versions. You take Tobey Maguire's and you make him quote unquote evil Spider-Man as somebody who's become more of a Batman vigilante, you know, say, hey, I killed this one time looking for revenge. And then that started me down a dark path that took me here and there and there. And then you bring in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man as somebody who's 
the more good person who was trying to do the right thing and then he lost his girlfriend as a result of it because he was facing the consequences of his actions. And then that would be an interesting premise of, okay, you are now at a crossroads in your life and you can go in one direction or the other, um, depending, like, because he wants to have everything and he's learning that he can't have everything. And you would use these characters to help tell that story. And then in the end, when Tobey Maguire stops him from killing Green Goblin and then getting a knife to back and then for some reason being miraculously feeling better a couple minutes later, you would have him actually die. You would have that evil character being like, I have gone down the wrong path. I don't want to see Tom Holland, Spider-Man, who is another version of me, go down that same path. And so I'm going to sacrifice myself to make sure that you don't kill and you don't do what I do. That would have been a strong, powerful moment, but you can't do that because people like Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and you can't make him an evil person. And so referencing old characters that we like is getting in the way of them telling a new story. And there's so many, especially with the multiverse, like it's such a cool idea that even I think the Loki TV show did better versions of, of like, you want to bring in variants. You want to bring in other versions of yourself. Mm. That's a great storytelling method to talk about different elements of the same person and different elements of our personalities that we each have, but they don't do any of that. They just say, remember Tobey Maguire? Here he is. And it's just, uh, it's a missed opportunity. <laughs> I Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree that what the idea that you just mentioned is, I, I don't disagree that's a good idea. Sure, if they did that, that would have been awesome too. But I don't think the what, I, I still don't have a problem with what they did, even though it's not like super, I, I guess, I don't know, super different or maybe not, not using the multiverse to the fullest, I guess. I mean, I they probably still can, but just for this movie, I like, I I, I don't know. I think it, it it was still fine. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that I didn't like it because I thought it could have been better. Like I was genuinely bored by what the movie was. Like I felt like other characters were watching a movie. Like when I looked at Tom Holland's emotional scenes, like they just. I saw that he had emotion on his face and he was acting. I just like, I just don't care about this adventure that you're going through. And that's supposed to be what a movie is about. Yeah. Well, okay. I think so. Partly personal preference thing, but I don't, I don't know. I think the, I I feel like the references got to you like too much to take away from like like what what you just said, like uh, Tom Holland acting well, like there's emotion and you don't care. I mean, I don't know, I because I had the complete opposite uh, reaction to that. Like I I did care very much, uh, and I, I don't think having Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield being funny there, I don't feel like that took away from my experience. So again, another I feel like another just complete opposite. Um, <laughs> attitudes or perspectives here that we will never we will never agree on <laughs> uh, yeah i guess that's fair but like for me it's something that's annoyed me with the mcu for a little while and even with star wars that it seems like the story serves the character because to, characters are a device within storytelling and you have to have characters that you don't like or that aren't mm-hmm. a complete character with a sequel spin-off of their own potential like sometimes you have to have characters uh, similar to uh scott cyclops in the original x-men movie everyone thought that that wasn't the right version of cyclops but he existed that way because the story needed a character like that 
And I feel like in the MCU, you almost have to like every character or you have to feel like they could have a, a trilogy of their own that they, they're the protagonist on. And like, not everyone is the protagonist. Like some characters exist for the purpose of the story going along. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just felt, it, it feels weird for me. Like it just, uh, I, I like Marvel. I like characters. I like superheroes, but it's at a certain point, I want to see a good story as well. Um, the also thing I'll, I'll mention in terms of characters, which maybe is contrary to what I just said, but I thought he was the sorcerer supreme, not the bitch supreme, because Benedict Cumberbatch, he like, do they want him to be wise or do they want him to be some like goofy college kid who has magic? Because in this movie, it just felt like completely different than what his whole character was. And then he gets beaten by geometry, even though he's like a doctor. So I thought that was weird. That that whole like like inner di- not inner dialogue, but Tom Holland saying, "Oh, this is geometry. I know geometry. I can use geometry." Like that was a little weird for me. But anyway, that, I feel like that's a little that's just extremely nitpicky. That's me <laughs> nitpicking for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think when it comes down to it, the the difference is that like our level of care for or our how much we care about these characters and obviously if you don't care there's not really for example in the apartment when he's ha- he's having his peter tingle there's no tension for you because you don't care what happens next like i i was very invested and i like i like i i really cared about what he was trying to do uh like cure everyone and just the fact that aunt may was there and vulnerable like that made me more like worried and like uh in like uh invest invested in the story and then obviously it leads to her dying which is like yeah i mean in that in itself i think is just an ex- uh, an example of uh, i don't know i, I, I like know the how. idea of what they were trying to do of him saying mm-hmm. i'm going to help these people um, I like Willem Dafoe's character that he was like not evil or he was trying to like change like who he was, which by the way is not something they wanted to do. That's something Willem Dafoe forced them to do. So that, like, otherwise he didn't agree make to the movie. Nine? No, like make him have some type of character development. Cause he's mm-hmm. like, otherwise, why am I coming back? Like, what's the point of <laughs> my character? Um, yeah. And that's why he was the only villain that did anything slightly different. But like, I like that idea of you being like, here's some old villains. And then, I want to do something different. Like maybe these people aren't evil. Maybe they're not villains. Maybe they just are in a bad circumstance. So the fact that he was trying to do that, I don't mind. It's just the execution of it got bogged down in all the references and all the things that wasn't the story. It was like, if, do you want to tell the story? Do you want to do a bunch of references? Cause you can't have both or you have to pick the right references to go along with it. Well, you just, uh, wrong (laughs) at the end Um, of the day i acknowledge that the people got what they wanted marvel like everyone seems to love it they think it's the best spider-man movie ever and it's like okay marvel isn't making movies for me they made it for their target audience and they did what they (laughs) needed to do yep um i was gonna uh shit forgot what i was gonna say um yeah yeah, yeah, I, that's that's fine. I agree. Uh, one side note that I wanted to make, completely off, slightly off topic, um, 
the the apartment building where they where they when uh, Spider Man starts fighting Green Goblin, um, Happy's uh, Happy Hogan's like supposedly luxury apartment is the most poorly constructed uh, <laughs> building in history because they were just crashing through floors and walls. Um, yeah, yeah, I was chalking that up to superpowers, but yeah, <laughs> super serum. See, I'm not going to get that nitpicky. <laughs> um, well, I, I I felt like I should I should uh, agree on on at least one negative, even though I am nitpicking there. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if we need to keep kicking the dead horse of <laughs> um, our disagreement here. I think everyone gets the idea. You either like it or you don't it's your type of movie or it's not if you uh, <laughs> if you like lamb and power of the dog you probably will not like spider-man i'd love to talk to somebody who loved both of those movies that would be an interesting i, I would too but good luck finding <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> if you loved power of the dog and spider-man no way home please come on our next episode um, um yeah well yeah actually let's do that <laughs> if anyone cares to anyone aside from dave sar sorry i made, i don't know if i should be giving his phone if anyone aside from dave wants to comment on our instagram and is listening right now and you liked spider-man and you liked power of the dog and lamb and you want to be on the podcast let us know and we'll dedicate a full episode to you and just pick your brain <laughs> I'll try to understand you as a person like a science experiment. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will end it off there. And a reminder from the beginning of the episode, stay tuned to our Instagram where we will post our lists for the movies we are most looking forward to in 2022. Um, and tune in again next episode.